0: You yahoos, listen up! This is Sailor Steve Costigan, and you're listening to the Cromcast. That's a podcast.
1: Everybody, it's your friends from the Cromcast. I'm Josh. I'm John. And I'm Luke. And we're coming at you with a bonus episode. This is an awesome audio file that uh, was generously given to us by our friend, friend of the show, Mark Finn. Yeah. And Luke, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're going to listen to.
2: So what we have here is the story Waterfront Fists, as adapted by Mark Finn and performed by a radio troupe that he was a part of in Austin that were called the Violet Crown Radio Players. And so this is something that is out there, and Mark wanted to get it out to people and make it readily accessible. So he contacted us and said, hey, would you guys like to include this within your Cromcast materials? And we said, Absolutely. A- absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we jumped at it, yeah. So what you're going to hear here in just a few minutes is a, a very professional uh, adaptation, uh, almost like you're taking a, taking a step back into history with some, some cool little uh, Dixieland jazz numbers and some good sound effects. And it's Sailor Steve Costigan, which is totally different than, than our buddy Conan the right. Barbarian. There are some similarities, but a different story than what you've been accustomed to so far with the Chromecast. So hopefully this is a pleasant change of pace for you. Yeah, Texans interpreting Texans, right? (laughs) That's right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so everybody enjoy.
3: Anchors away and prepare to come about. It's time for the adventures of sailor Steve Costigan, the prize-fighting sailor from Texas with a heart of gold, fists of steel, and a head full of rocks. Based on the character created by Robert E. Howard and regularly appearing in Fight Stories magazine. In tonight's pugilistic episode, Sailor Steve is matched up with a rival sailor from another ship. And all is well until Sven Larson decides that he wants to be the champion of the Sea Girl instead. But Steve can't leave well enough alone and when the dancing girl and the gangsters show up, well, Steve's about to find out the hard way that love hurts. The Violet Crown Radio Players present Mark Finn as Steve Costigan in Waterfront Fists.
0: The Seagirl hadn't been docked in Honolulu more than three or four hours before Bill O'Brien come legging it down to the pool hall to tell me he'd got me matched to fight some has-been
1: at the American Arena that night. The ruffians in, they got a fellow which they swear can take any man aboard the seagirl to a royal cleanin'. I ain't seen him, but they say he growed up in the back country of Australia and run wild with the kangaroos till he was shanghaied aboard a ship at an early age. They say he's licked everybody aboard the ruffian, from the capmon down to the mess. do the
0: gab and leave me to some ruffian idiots, which is cravin' to risk their jack on this tramp. I got 150 bucks that's burnin' my pockets up. It was easy to find some lunatics from the ruffian, and after putting up our money at even odds with a bartender for stakeholder and knowing I had a tough battle ahead of me and needed some training, I got me a haircut and then went down to the Hibernian bar for a few shots of hard liquor. While me and Bill was lapping up our drinks, in comes Sven Larson. This huge and useless swede has long been laboring under the hallucination that he ought to be champion of the sea girl and no amount of battering has been able to quite wipe the idea out of what he supposes to be his brain. Well, this big mistake comes up to me and scowling down at me, he says, You, Irisher, put up your hats!" Well, a thousand sailors in Portage, and for a scrap, you gotta pick on me. Go on, I don't want to fight no shipmate. Now I gotta fight the ruffian's man in a few hours.
4: I should be fighting him. I ought to be champ of the sea girl. Come
0: on, you big stiffer. Sven squared off in what he fondly believed was a fighting pose. A white bulldog, Mike, sensing trouble, bristled and looked up from the bowl of beer he was lapping up on the floor, but seeing it was nobody but Sven, he curled up and went to sleep. Don't risk your hands on the big chump, Steve. I'll fix him. You Stay out of this, Bill O'Brien.
4: I will see to you after I lick Steve. Oh, you're drunk. A fine shipmate you are. I'm not drunk. My girl told me... I didn't know you had a girl here. Well, I have. And she said a big man like me should be champion of his ship, and she wouldn't have nothing to do with me till I was. So put up your hands. Oh, you're crazy.
0: I turned back to the bar, but watched Sven close from the corner of my eye, which was a good thing because he started a wild right swing that had destruction rode all over it. I sidestepped and he crashed into the bar. Rebounded with a bloodthirsty beller, he lunged at me and seeing there is no arguing with the misguided heathen, I stepped inside his swing and brought up a right uppercut to the jaw that lifted his whole 245 pounds clean off the floor and stood him on the back of his neck out cold. Mike, awakened by the crash, opened one eye, raised one ear, then went back to sleep with sort of a gentle canine smile. You ought to be careful, you might have busted your hand. Why didn't you hit him in the gut? Well, I did want to upset his stomach. I've skinned my knuckles a little, but they ain't even bruised much. I had him in too many buckets of brine. At last, Finn was able to sit up and cuss me, and he mumbled something I didn't catch.
1: He says he's got a date with his girl tonight, but he's ashamed to go back to her with that weltness jaw and tell her he got licked. Yeah, you got to tell her I can't come, Steve. All right. I'll tell her you fell off the docks and sprained your
0: ankles. What's her particulars? Her name is Gloria Flynn. She dances at the Striped Cat Cabaret. I downed a finger of old jersey cream,
1: tightened my belt, and me and Mike sauntered forth. Bill followed me out into the street. Talk on it, Steve. You ought not to go cruising off this way with a fight just a few hours in the offing. That ruffian crew is crooked as a bunch of snakes, and you know what a soft hedge are when women is concerned. Your remarks is highly insulting, Bill. I don't reckon no woman ever made a fool out of me. I know i like a book.
0: Anyhow, you don't think I'd fall for a dame as encouraged to sap like Sven, do you? Heck, she's probably some big fat wench with a face like a bull terrier. Don't worry about me. I'll be at the American in plenty of time. It was after dark when me and Mike got to the Stripe Cat Cabaret, which is located in a tough waterfront section of the city. I asked the manager for Gloria Flynn, and he said she'd just finished a dance and was in her dressing room. He told me to wait for her at the back exit, which I'd done. I was standing there when the door opened and some girls come out. I took off my cap and asked, with my well-known, quiet dignity, What of you frails is Gloria Flynn, if any? You could have knocked me over with a pile driver when the snappiest, prettiest one of the bunch up and said... I'm her. What of it? Well, all I can say is, what does a girl like you want to waste her time with such a tripe as Sven Larson when there's men like me in port? Don't get fresh! Oh, I ain't fresh. I just come to tell you that Sven fell off a dock and broke his neck. I, I sprained his ankle and he can't make the date tonight. Oh. Well, who are you? I'm Steve Costigan, the fellow that licked him. Oh. So you're
5: Steve Costigan.
0: Yeah, I am Steve Costigan, A.B. Mariner and heavyweight champion aboard the Trader Sea Girl. I know you didn't know me or you wouldn't have persuaded your boyfriend to risk his life by taking a swing at me.
5: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Oh, it's all right. Sven told me about you urging him to climb me, but it's natural for a frail to want her feller to be champ of something. What I can't understand is what you see in a galoot like Sven.
5: Oh, I see. Why, Mr. Costigan... Call me Steve. Well... Steve! I didn't urge him anything of the sort. I just said he was such a big fellow, I bet he could whip anybody aboard his ship. And he said one of the other sailors... Steve Costigan was champion, and I said I was surprised that anybody could lick him. Sven, I mean. Why, I had no idea he'd get it into his head that I wanted him to fight anybody. I do hope you didn't hurt the poor boy. Oh,
0: not much. I always handle my shipmates as easy as possible, though, of course. I'm so powerful, sometimes I hit harder than I intend to. But say, sister, I know a swell little girl like you wasn't taking that big square head serious. You was just sorry for him, because he's so kind of big and awkward and dumb, wasn't you?
5: Well, that was the way of it. He looked lonesome.
0: That's mighty fine of you, but forget about him now. After the belt and I give him, he won't want to come back to you. But anyway, he'll find a native girl or something. He ain't like me. A woman's a woman to him. And he'll fall for anything in skirts that comes along. Me? I'm a one-woman man. Anyway, kid, it ain't right for you to trail around with a galoot like him. You owe it to yourself to keep company with only the best. Me, for instance.
5: <laughs> Maybe you're right.
0: Sure, I'm always right. Now, what say we go in and lap up something? All this talking I've been doing's got my throat dry.
5: Oh, I never drink intoxicants. If you don't mind, let's go over here to this ice cream parlor.
0: Okay with me, but first, let me introduce you to Mike, who can lick his weight both in wildcats and dog biscuits. Well, Mike, he shook hands with her, but he wasn't particularly enthusiastic. He ain't no lady's dog. He treats him politely, but coldly. Then we went over to the joint where they sold ice cream, and while we was dawdling over the stuff, I let my eyes wander over my charming companion. She was a beauty, no doubt about it. Curly yellow hair and big trustin' violet eyes. What's a nice girl like you doing working in a dump like the Striped Cat?
5: (sighs) A girl has to do lots of things she don't like to... I was in a high-class stock company which went broke here on account of the manager getting delirium tremens and having to be sent back to his home in England. I had to eat, and this was the only job open for me. Someday, I'm going home. My folks live on a dairy farm in New Jersey, and I was a fool to ever leave there. Right now, I can see the old white farmhouse and the green meadows with the babbling brooks running through them and the cows grazing. <sighs> It's all in a lifetime, isn't it?
0: You're a brave kid, and I want to see more of you. I'm fighting some guy at the American Arena in a little while. How about holding down a nice ringside seat there and then having supper and a little dancing afterwards? I can't dance much, but I'm a bear at the supper table.
5: You're the man that's going to fight Red Roach? Is that his name? Yeah, if he's a man from the Ruffian. I'd like to go, but I have to go on in another dance number in half an hour. Well, the fight
0: can't last more than three or four rounds, not with me in there. How about (laughs) me dropping around the striped cat afterward? If you ain't through then, I'll wait for you. Well,
5: that's fine. If I'd known you were going to fight so soon, I wouldn't have let you eat that ice cream. Oh,
0: that won't interfere with my punching ability, but I would like a shot of hard liquor to kind of settle it on my stomach.
5: Let's don't go into any of these saloons. These waterfront bars sell you the same stuff rattlesnakes have in their teeth. I tell you, I've got a bottle of rare old wine not very far from here. I never touch it myself, but I keep it for my special friends and they say it's great. You've time for a nip, haven't you?
0: Lead on, sister. I've always got time to take a drink or oblige a beautiful girl.
5: Oh, you flatterer. I bet you tell that to every girl you meet.
0: To my surprise, we halted before a kind of ramshackle gymnasium and Gloria took out a key
5: and unlocked the door. I didn't tell you. I have a kid brother here with me. He's a weakly sort of kid and I have to support him as well as myself. Poor kid. He would come with me when I left home. Well, Mr. Solano, who owns the gym, lets him use the equipment to build himself up. It's healthy for him. This is the boy's key. I keep the wine hidden in one of the lockers.
0: Ain't this where Tony and trains? Because if it is, it ain't no place for a nice girl. They is fighters and fighters, my child, and Tony is no credit to no business. He's
5: always been a perfect gentleman towards me. Of course, I come here only occasionally when my brother is working out.
0: She opened the door and we went in and then she shut it. To my slight surprise, I heard the click as she locked it. She switched on a light and I seen her bending over something. Then she swung around and I got the most unexpected surprise of my life. When she turned, she had a heavy Indian club in both hands, and she heaved it up and crashed it down on my head with everything she had behind it. Well, I was so utterly dumbfounded, I just stood and gaped at her, and Mike, he nearly had a fit. I'd always taught him never to bite a woman, and he just didn't know what to do. Gloria was staring at me with eyes that looked like they were going to jump right out of her head. She glanced down at the broken fragments of the Indian club in a kind of stunned way, then all the color all ebbed out of her face, leaving her white as a ghost. That's a nice way to do a friend. I don't mind a joke, but you've made me bite my tongue. Don't
5: hit me. Please don't hit me. I had to do it.
0: You don't need to insult me on top of busting a club on my skull. I never hit no woman in my life, and I ain't figuring on it.
5: Oh, I'm ashamed of myself. Please listen. I've lied to you. My brother is a fighter, too, and he just about had this fight with Red Roach when the promoter at the American changed his mind and signed you up instead. This fight would have given us enough to get back to New Jersey, where those cows are grazing by the babbling meadows. I thought when you told me you were the one that's going to fight Roach, I'd fix it so you wouldn't show up, and they'd have to use Billy. That's my brother, after all. I was going to knock you unconscious and tie you up till after the fight... I know you'll hate me, but I'm desperate. I'll die if I have to live this life much longer.
0: Well, I can't see as it was my fault, but I felt like a horse thief anyhow. Don't, don't cry. I'll help you all I can, but I've got all my jacks sunk on this imbroglio to win by KO.
5: Oh, Steve, you can help me. Just stay here with me. Don't show up at the arena. Then Billy will get the fight.
0: neck and was fairly shaking me in her eagerness well i admit i got a soft spot in my heart for the weaker sex but gee whiz great cat's glory i'd dive off the statue of liberty for you but i can't do this my shipmates has got ever sent they got bet on me i can't throw them down that way
5: you don't love me oh
0: i do too but doggone it glory i just can't do it and please don't coax me because it's like jerking a heartstring loose to say no to you wait a minute I got Heidi! You and your brother got some money saved up, ain't you? Yes! Some... Well, listen, you can double it. Sink every cent you got on me to win by a KO. It'll be a cinch placing the dough. Everybody on the waterfront's betting one way or the other.
5: But what if you lose? Me lose?
0: Don't make me laugh. You do that. And, and, and I can't stay another minute, kid. I'm doing the arena right now and safe. I'll have some dough myself after the battle. I'm going to help you and your brother get back to them green cows and babbling farmhouses. Now, I got to go. And before she had a chance to say another word... I kicked the lock off the door, being in too big a hurry to have her unlock it. The next second, me and Mike was sprinting for the arena.
1: his hair and walk in the dressing room floor. Here you are at last, you blankety-blank Mick Diphthong. Where you been? You want to make a nervous wreck out to me? You realize you've been committing the one unpardonable sin by keeping the crowd waiting for 15 minutes? They're yelling bloody murder and the crew, which is all out in front and ringside seats, has been throwing chairs at the ruffian's men, which has been howling you to run out on us. The promoter says if he ain't in the ring in five minutes, he'll run in a substitute. And I'll run him into the bay. I gotta get my wind back a little.
0: Boy, we had Sven's girl down all wrong. She's a peach, as well as being a square shooter. What's
1: up and getting to them trunks. You'll never learn nothing. Listen to that crowd. We'll be lucky if they don't lynch all of us.
4: I got a man in place of Costigan.
0: Gangway! As I pushed by the promoter, Joe Cromwell, saw a fella in trunks coming out of another dressing room. To my amazement, it was Tony Andrada, which even had his hands taped. His jaw fell when he seen me in the manager Abe gold, give a howl. What do you think you're doing here, Gold? They wanted Tony to fight Roach when you ran out.
1: Why, you oh, son of a. Oh, for God. cat's sake, you can lick him after you're Roach if you want to. Come on! It's
0: mighty funny you should turn up right at this time. I thought Billy Flynn was gonna fight Roach if I didn't show up. Who's Billy Flynn? My new girl's kid brother. If they've done anything to him. Oh, now ah. that
4: Sailor oh, Corsican is finally, finally here. here, we can get the and
1: fight the underway! <laughs>
0: My meditations was drowned by the thunders of the mob. On one side of the ring, the Sea Girls crew lifted the roof with their wild whoops, and on the other side, the ruffian's rough necks greeted me with coarse, rude squawks and impolite remarks. I glanced over at the opposite corner and saw red roach for the first, and I hope last, time. He was tall and raw-boned and the ugliest human I ever seen. He had freckles as big as mess pans all over him. His nose was flat, and his low, slanting forehead was topped by a shock of the most scandalously red hair I ever looked at. When he rose from his stool, I seen he was knock kneed, when we come to the center of the ring to pretend to listen to instructions, I was disgusted to know that he was also cross-eyed. At first, I thought he was counting the crowd, and it was slightly disconcerting to finally decide he was glaring at me. The scrap started, and I got another jolt. Roach, come out, right foot and right hand forward. He was left-handed. I was so disgusted, i come near lightning and giving him a good cussing. Red-headed, cross-eyed, and left-handed, and he was the first good port-sider I'd ever met in the ring. In addition, he was three inches taller than me, and he must have had a reach of fifteen fathoms. When we was still so far apart, I didn't think he could reach me with a pole. Bam! His right licked out to my chin. I give a roar and plunged in, meaning to make it a quick fight. I wanted to crush this inhuman freak before the sight of him got on my nerves and rattled me. But I was all at sea. The left-hander does everything backwards. He leads with his right and crosses his left. He sidesteps to his left instead of to his right. This guy done everything a port-sider's supposed to do and a lot more stuff he thought of for himself. He had a fast, hard, straight right and a wicked left swing. Oh boy, how he could hit with that left. Seemed like every time I did something, I got a right glove in the eye or on the nose, and whilst I was thinking about that, bam, come the left and nearly ripped my head clean off. I like lanky mutt, it looked like if I ever landed solid, I'd bust him in two. But I couldn't get past that long straight right. My swings was all short, and his straight right beat my left hook every time. When I tried trading jabs with him, his extra reach ruined that. At the end of the first round, my right ear was nearly mangled. In the second frame, he half-closed by with a sizzling right hook and opened a deep gash on my forehead. At the beginning of the third, he dropped me for a no count with a left hook to the body that nearly caved me in. The ruffian's crew was getting crazy every second, and the Sea Girls gang was yelling bloody murder. But I wasn't worried. I'm used to more punishment than I was getting, and I wasn't weakening any. It made me mad not to be able to hit Roach. I hadn't landed a single solid punch. He was a clever boxer in his way, and his style would have made Dempsey look like a one-armed paper hanger carrying a bucket. He managed to keep me at long range, and he belted me plenty, but it wasn't his speed nor his punch that kept me all at sea. It was his cruel and unusual appearance. Them eyes of his nearly had me batty. I couldn't keep from looking at him. I tried to watch his waistline or his feet, but every time my gaze would wander back to his distorted optics. They had a kind of fatal attraction for me. Whilst I'd be trying to figure out where they was looking, wham! Would come that left winging in from an entirely unexpected direction, and this continued. I was infuriated, and after chasing him all around the ring and getting only another black eye for my pains, I got desperate. With the round half a minute to go, I wowed the audience by closing both eyes and tearing in, swinging wild and regardless. He was pelting me plenty, but I didn't care. That visage of his wasn't upsetting all my calculations as long as I couldn't see it. And in a second, I felt my left crash against what I knew to be a human jaw. I opened my eyes and looked for the corpse. My eyes rested on a recumbent figure, but it was not Red Roach. To my annoyance, I realized that one of my blind swings had connected with the referee. At the same instant, Roach's swinging left crashed against my jaw and I hit the canvas. But even as I went down, I swung a wild dying effort right which sunk in just above Red's waistline. The round ended with all three of us on the canvas. Our respective handlers dragged us to our corners, and somebody throwed a bucket of water on the referee, who was able to answer the gong with us battlers by holding on to the ropes. As I sat in my corner, sniffing the smelling salt, and watching Red's handlers massaging his suffering belly, I thought deeply, a very rare habit of mine while fighting. I do not believe in too much thanking. It gives a fighter the headache... Still and all, with my jaw aching from Rad's left and with my eyes getting strained from watching his unholy face, I rub Mike's nose and meditated. A left-hander is a right-hander backwards. Nine times out of ten, his straight right will beat your left jab. If you lead your right to a right-hander, he'll beat you to the punch with his left, but you can lead your right to a left-hander because his left has as far to travel as your right. When we come out for the fourth round, instead of tearing in, I went in cautious-like, ignoring the yells of the ruffian's crew that I was getting scared of their man. Red fainted with his right so clumsy even I knowed it was a faint, and I instantly shot my right with everything I had behind it. It beat his left swing and landed solid but high. He staggered, and I dropped him to his all-fours with a whistling left hook under his heart. He was up at nine and caught me with a wild left swing as I rushed in. It dizzied me, but I kept coming, and every time he made a motion with his left, I shot my right. Sometimes I landed first, sometimes he did, sometimes we landed simultaneous. but my smashes had the most kick behind him. Like most pork siders when they're groggy, clean forgot he had a right hand and was staking everything on his left swing. I batted him back across the ring and he rallied and smashed over a sledgehammer left hook that rocked me to my heels and made the blood spatter. But I bored right in with a sizzling left hook under his heart. He gasped, his knees buckled, and then he steadied himself and shot over his left just as I crashed him with a right. Bam! Something exploded in my head and I heard the referee counting. To my chagrin I found I was on the canvas, but Roach was there too. The still-weaving and glass-eyed referee was holding onto the ropes with one hand and counting over us both, but I managed to reel up at six. Me and Red landed square to the button just at the same second, but my jaw was just naturally tougher than his. He hadn't twitched at ten, and they had to carry him to his dressing room to bring him to. A few minutes' work on me with smelling salts, ammonia, sponges, and the like made me good as new. I couldn't hardly wait for Bill to dress my cuts with collodion. But the minute I got my clothes on and collected my winnings and bets from the bartender who'd come to the ring under escort from both ships, I ducked out the back way. I even left Mike with Bill because he's always scrapping with some other dog on the street, and I was in a big hurry. I was on my way to see if Gloria had followed my advice. Also something else. 150 bucks I won. With what I had, that made 300 I got 150 for the fracas. Altogether, I had $450 in my jacket pocket. And I was going to give Gloria every cent of it if she'd take it so she could get back to New Jersey and the cows. It sure wasn't no place for a nice girl to be in. And I'll admit, I indulged in some dreams as I hurried along about the time I'd retire from the sea and maybe go into the dairy farming business in New Jersey. I was headed for the stripe cap, but on my way I passed Solana's gym, and I noticed that there was a light on in one of the small rooms which served as a kind of office. As I passed the door, I distinctly heard a voice and knowed was Gloria's. I stopped short and started to knock on the door, then something made me steal up close and listen. Though I ain't a eavesdropper by nature. From the voices, five people was in the room. Gloria, Solana, Abe Gold, Joe Cromwell, and Tony Andrada. Don't hand
4: us no line, sister. You said leave it to you. Yeah, we did. And look what it got us. You was going to keep Costigan out of the way so's we could run in Tony at the last minute. You know the promoter at the American was all set to match Tony with Roach when Costigan's ship docked. The mick cheese changed his mind and matched the mick instead because the fool sailors wanted the scrap. Gold's right. Roach would have been a spread for Tony because the Whop eats these port ciders up. The town sports know that, and they would have sunk heavy on Tony. We was going to bet our shirts on Roach, and Tony would flop along about the third. Then, we all could have left this dump and gone to Australia. Well, we left it up to you to get rid of Costigan. And what does he do, I ask you? He walks in as big as you please just when Tony was fixing to go in for him. I
5: ask you. Well, don't rag me. I did my best. I got hold of a Swede aboard the Sea Girl and primed the Big Stiff proper. I stirred him up and sent him down to climb Costigan, thinking he'd bung the mick up so he couldn't come on tonight, or that Costigan would at least break his hands on him. But the harp flattened him without even spraining a thumb, and the first thing I knew, he was waiting for me outside the cabaret. Well, he fell for me right off, naturally, and I got him into the gym here, intending to lay him cold and lock him up till after the fight. But say... That big mick must have a skull made of reinforced battleship steel. I shattered a five-pound Indian club over his dome without even making him bat his eyes. When I failed to even stagger him with that clout, I thought I was a gone goose. I had visions of him twisting my head off and feeding it to that ugly cannibal he calls a bulldog. He didn't even offer to lay a hand on me. And when I got my second wind, I spun him a yarn about having a kid brother that needed this fight to get back home. He fell for it so easy that I thought I could coax him to run out on his own accord. But he busted right through the door and took it on the lamb.
3: Ah,
4: fine mess you've made. You've gummed things up proper. We had everything set for a killing. Stow
5: it, Abe. High-class brand of sports you are. I'm ashamed to be seen with you, you cheap grafters. Big killing. You don't even know what one is. Anyway, what do you want me to do? cry
4: we want you to give back that hundred we paid you in advance and if you don't you'll cry
5: plenty and i guess you think i risk my life for such cheap welchers as you for nothing not one cent Oh!
4: give her the works cromwell you can't cross me you little never mind
0: what he called her i'd have half killed him for that alone I tore the door, clean off the hedges, and went through it, and I seen a sight which made a red mist wave in front of me so everything in the room looked bloody and grim. The gym owner Salada had Gloria down on a chair and was twisting both her arms up behind her back till it looked like they'd break. Joe Cromwell had the fingers of his left hand sunk deep in her throat, and his right hand drawn back to smash in her face. Tony Andrada and Abe Gold was looking on with callous, contemptuous sneers. They all turned as the door crashed in and I saw Solana go white as a gift. One roared, went into action. He turned loose to the girl, but before he could get his hands up, I crashed into him with a left-hander that crushed his nose and knocked out four teeth. And my smash smashed toward Joe Cromwell's ear loose. Another of the same sort stood him on his head in the corner with a cracked jawbone and almost simultaneous, Abe Gold barely missed me with a pair of brass knuckles and Tony landed hard on my ear. But I straightened with a right-hander that dropped gold across Solana with three broken ribs and missed a left swing that would to decapitate potato tony hatched it landed maybe in the ring under ordinary circumstances tony and andrada could have cut me to ribbons but here he never had a chance i didn't even feel the punches he was raining on me and after missing a flock of swings in a row i landed under his jaw with a haymaking right hander i brought up from the floor tony turned a complete somersault in the air when he came down his head hit the wall with a force that would have knocked him cold if he hadn't already been unconscious before he landed Maybe a minute and a half after I busted through the door, I stood alone in the middle of the carnage, panting and glaring down at the four silent figures which littered the room. All I craved was for all the other yeggs in Honolulu to come busting in. Pretty soon I looked around for Gloria and saw her cringing in the corner like she was trying to flatten herself out against the wall. She was white-faced, and her eyes were blazing with terror. Don't! Please don't! Please don't what? Ain't you learned by this time that I don't clout frails? I come in here to
5: rescue you from these gyps and you insult me! Forgive me, I can't help but be a little afraid of you. You look so much like a gorilla. What? I mean, you're such a terrible fighter. Come on, let's get out of here before these welchers come to...
0: Would that they wouldst. What I done to them was just a sample of what I'm gonna do to them. One of these days, somebody's gonna upset my temper and then I'll lose control of myself and hurt somebody. We went out on the street, which is mostly deserted and rather dimly lighted.
5: Thank you for rescuing me. If my brother had been there... Gloria,
0: ain't you ever gonna stop lying? I was outside the door and heard it all. Oh. Well, I reckon I'm a fool when it comes to women. I thought I was stuck on you and didn't have enough sense to know you was stringing me. Why, I even brung the 450 bucks I won intending to give it to you. Oh,
5: Steve... (laughs) You make me ashamed of myself You're so fine and noble
0: Well, I know it But I can't help it It's just my nature
5: I'm so ashamed There's no use lying Solana paid me $100 to get you out of the way But Steve I'm changing my ways right here I'm not asking you to forgive me because I guess it's too much to ask and you've done enough for me already. But I'm going home tomorrow. That stuff I told you about the dairy farm in New Jersey was the only thing I told you that wasn't a lie. I'm going home and live straight and I want to kiss you just once because you've showed me the error of my ways. And so saying, she
0: threw her arms around me and kissed me vigorously and may not object in no manner.
5: I'm going back to the old, pure, simple life. Back to the green meadows and the babbling cows.
0: She made off down the street at a surprising rate of speed. I watched her go, and a warm glow spread over me. After all, I thought, I do know women, and the hardest of them is softened by the influence of a strong, honest, manly heart like mine. She vanished around the corner and turned back toward the Hibernian Bar, at the same time reaching for my bankroll. Then I give a yell that woke up everybody in that section of Honolulu with cold sweats standing out on them. Now I know why she wanted to put her arms around me. My money was gone. She loved me. She loved me not...
3: Tonight's episode, Waterfront Fists, was adapted by Mark Finn from the Robert E. Howard story of the same name. Mark Finn played Steve Costigan. T.E. Heidel played Bill O'Brien. Craig York played Sven Larson and Abe Gold. Abby Windham played Gloria Flynn. Christian Huey played the fight announcer and Cromwell. And Ben Freeberg played Mike the Bulldog. (laughs)